0: Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you. Get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? All right. we got some fantastic. Um, Hey, we're right in the middle of a a collection of messages out of the book of Acts. And Acts is the book of the Bible that you would turn to if you wanted to know what the first church believed and how they functioned. If you want to know what church should look like, look at the book of Acts. And uh, if you want to know what church did look like. And so, as a, so as a church, one of our goals is um, we just we just want to try to model ourselves so that we're consistent with what we see in Scripture, uh, rather than trying to follow some sort of ministry paradigm from uh, a, a, a denomination or a group of churches. I, I just want to know what the Book of Acts did. Is that all right? Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna dive into again. We're still in the the first chapter of or the second chapter of Acts, but um, I want to dive into, um, that was fun, okay, um, but I want to dive into a, a subject in scripture that, that is honestly quite divisive. Uh, anybody love divisive subjects? Let's, let's make it awkward up in here. And um, the subject is baptism, and the reason it's divisive is there are so many opinions uh, and per- persuasions about Baptism. Uh, and it, it, it just, it can be a lot when you hear all the different noise out there on baptism. So let's just take a minute and look at what the scripture says baptism is so that we know what it isn't, okay? Uh, Dr. N.T. right, he says this, that people of other faiths recognize the huge importance of baptism better than we as Christians recognize it ourselves, what 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 NT Wright is saying is that it, when you go to a different country that is potentially hostile towards Christianity the the Christians in that country recognize the weight of baptism so much more than we do here that's why Christians in China gather at night under small bridges along small streams to baptize new believers and 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 they do that like the reason they would gather in a group of 100, 200 people along the side of a small stream just to perform this this ritual is because they understand the gravity of what it means. Like for them, it it would cost them potentially years in prison. I, like Brother Yun, a, a Chinese pastor, I mean, 15, 20, 25 years in prison just for being baptized or baptizing other people, and yet... Those Christians are willing to do it, and so many of us want to have faith in Jesus without walking through baptism. I think they they put more weight on it than we often do. So when we look at the, the book of Acts, in, in Acts chapter 2, Peter has he has just preached the very first sermon in the brand new church. Like this is literally. Ground zero for where the church begins in Acts chapter two, and he's preached this message about the good news of Jesus that they had, uh, that that essentially that they had missed the coming Messiah, but in that there was good news that Jesus was was the Savior, and they respond and they say, well, how how do we how do we respond to this good news? And and Peter. Answers them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He says, uh, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent and turn to God. This is, if you've been around here for any length of time, you're going to notice that we do this frequently. Almost every service, not every service, but almost every service, we end with a moment for people to repent and believe. That's repent and turn to God. Uh, this is this is key in our walk with God that we repent and turn to God. But you're, you're not going to hear us say, uh, "Would you accept Jesus?" We don't we don't we don't accept Jesus. We repent to Jesus. Okay, like 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 he's not begging for us to accept him. He's waiting for us to repent towards him. Okay, we're we're the ones uh, we're the ones that that need to surrender our lives, not him surrender his. Okay, that's just a, like a, a nuance that matters. And so uh, he says that they're, they're going to repent and they're going to turn towards God. And then it says this, and be baptized in the, name of the, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are active today. We believe that a Spirit-filled life is the best life. In fact, we would say it like this. Not only is it difficult to live the Christian life without the Spirit, it would be pretty much almost impossible. Like you need the empowering Spirit of God working inside of you to transform you and change you and to lead you where God is calling you. But right between this this point of repentance and this point of receiving the Spirit, Peter says, you must be baptized. When he says this, the people respond. Just a couple of verses later, it says this in, in verse 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said stopped and thought about it for a while. No. Those who believed what Peter said waited uh, three months until they really felt like it was important for them. No. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. So, so about 3,000 people respond to Peter right then. And the way they respond is, is not by uh, praying a prayer, not by shaking a preacher's hand. It is by responding in the waters of baptism. That is the biblical response to faith in Jesus, baptism. What's really neat is you can actually, um, we're going to do an Israel trip. Uh, So we've we've got it scheduled. We're just waiting on final pricing. It'll be November 2025 if you want to go to Israel with us. And um, we can stand on the exact same steps where Peter would have preached this message. He preached it on the southern steps of Jerusalem, and uh it's just, just an incredible thing i can't wait for some of you to come join and um but but he 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 preached the message and the people responded by being baptized they heard the gospel they believed the gospel and they were baptized let me say it again they they heard the gospel they believed the gospel they were baptized they, they didn't call their mom or friend, they didn't, they didn't phone a friend, they, they, they didn't, um, you know, take a long time to kind of decide whether or not baptism was for them or it was for someone else. They heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, they were baptized. Let me say it this way, if you've heard the gospel and you believe in Jesus, your next step is baptism. Your next step is Baptism. If, if your faith is in Jesus and you have not been baptized, your, your next step is not join a small group. It's not join a team. It's not evangelize and go tell people about Jesus. It's not tithe. Your next step is baptism. It's baptism. Uh, and so when, when I talk about baptism, I, I think there's a lot of... Um, questions, because often I'll meet people who have been living for God for, for decades and have not been baptized, and, and I think the reason they're not baptized is they, they just have questions or concerns, and so I want to I wanna address those today. Is that okay? So th- today is going to be a little different than how I normally preach. I'm going to try to just give a big overview as to what baptism is. So if today, for you, you would say, like, why why do I even need to get baptized? I I would say this. Why you should get baptized is this. Number one, you should get baptized to follow Jesus' example. Uh, Jessica mentioned this, that Jesus was baptized. We should be baptized to follow Jesus' example. We should be baptized to follow Jesus' instructions, and we should be baptized to follow Jesus publicly. Okay, those are three reasons why we should be baptized. To follow his example, to follow his instructions, and to follow him publicly. Now, let me circle back around, and I'm going to reinforce those thoughts with some scripture. Is that okay? Yeah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, who was his cousin. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one that needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? And Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed and baptized him. Jesus is baptized not because he has like this massive amount of sin in his life he's got to get rid of. He does it because it is what God requires. It's, the, it's God's expectation. And Jesus just very simply follows in obedience to what is God's expectation. I'm going to be baptized. So I would say to you, one reason you should get baptized is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. The next is this, to follow the instructions of Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, 19, this is the very last chapter of the book of Matthew. It says this, it says, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations. This is, this is Jesus instructing the church on how to be and what to do. He says, number one, go and make disciples. That's the purpose of this building. Purpose of this building isn't beautiful singing. It's not fancy lights. It's not so we can have potlucks and fancy things going around. The purpose of this building is to make disciples. The purpose of this gathering is to make disciples. Disciples, and you might say, Well, what is a disciple? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) A disciple is really two things it's someone that is a learner, and it is someone that is a follower. It is someone that is learning about their teacher or their rabbi, and it is someone that is following. First century uh, sayings would say things like this "May, May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. The idea was that. Uh, disciples not only learn the teachings of the one they follow, but they follow so closely that the dust off their feet gets on them. And so as a church, part of our mission is not just to come and be entertained on a Sunday. But part of our mission is not just to be in a small group. Like a huge part of what we are is we, we need to learn everything we can about the one who we follow. And we need to actually follow him. I got one that agrees with me, Pilar. Thank you. <laughs> we, we need to follow. So that, that's what what disciples are. And then it says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're to make disciples. And the next thing to do in establishing the church is to baptize people. This is how the church is established. The third one is to follow him publicly. Matthew chapter 10 verse 32 says it like this. So so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Those are those are really heavy words when you think about it. He's saying, if you acknowledge me publicly, I will acknowledge you in heaven. If you deny me publicly, not, not, he's not talking about a private faith. We've really bought into that lie, haven't we? That my faith is private, it's personal. My faith is this personal thing just between me and God. And Jesus' answer to that is great, but if you deny me publicly, that's not good. This is why believers in China, why believers in Cuba just a few decades ago, why believers in Russia and in Saudi Arabia will risk death or imprisonment because part of our response towards Jesus is to acknowledge him publicly before other believers, to, to gather with other people and say, I, I don't just have this internal, you know, secretive faith with Jesus, but, but I, am, I am saying I am, I am truly a follower of Jesus. It was a couple of years ago, I, I went to a fine dining establishment in Caldwell. And um, why are you giggling? It's called Burger King. And if you own the Burger King in Caldwell, I love you and I thank you, but I'm just gonna maybe this will help you. Uh, I, <laughs> I go in there and I haven't eaten at Burger King very often, not because I don't like Burger King. I like all fast food. Can you tell, you know? But I, I just, just hadn't been there in a while. And so I, I go up to this, this little girl at, at the counter and I said, hey, uh, what, what's good? And sh- she looked at me with this look of disgust and she's like, I don't eat here. I was like, I don't eat here. Like, you work here. <laughs> you don't get a free meal at lunch. Like, what are you? No, I don't. I bring my, I eat a salad. I bring a salad here. Like, oh, that's great. I'm just thinking if you work at Burger King, you should know what Burger King serves. You know what I mean? You should know what is good. We've, we've got a lot of Christians that, that are part of the church, whose faith are in Jesus, but I don't eat here. I I, I want the feeling of salvation. I want want the, the, the blessings of living for God. I want the paycheck. But I don't know if I'm willing to publicly acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I'm just saying, like, don't be that person. Yes. Don't be the believer that says, like, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to wait 20 years to be baptized. That's, that's taking a paycheck for, from Burger King but despising the food. Don't do that. That was a strong rebuke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Maybe for you it's not... Uh, why should I get baptized? Maybe your real question is, well, what, I don't understand. It's not why should I be baptized. It's my real question is, what does baptism mean? Like, I just don't get what it means. Here's what baptism is. Baptism unites us with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's not just a tradition of the church. We believe it actually unites us with Jesus in his death, His burial, and his resurrection. And the second is this is that baptism is an outward symbol of the internal redemption that Jesus is doing in your life. Like the salvation you've experienced internally, salvation is the outward expression of that. Baptism is. It it says this in Colossians chapter 12, verse uh, uh, 2, verse 12 through 14. This is this is really cool. It says, For you were. Buried with Christ. Say this with me. Buried with Christ. Okay, he's talking about baptism. Baptism is like burying a dead person. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. He's saying that baptism is not just some sort of thing we do. It's not just a cute cliche thing we're doing. But in some, some way in the heavens, it is as though we are being buried with Christ and being raised with Christ. As though an old person is dying and a new person is rising. Here's where He goes on. He says, you were dead in your sins. Say that. Say, I was dead in my sins. And because of your sinful nature, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Listen, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. I love that the writer did this. He says, "He says you were dead in your sins because your sinful nature wasn't cut away, but God forgave all of our sins. Like the writer makes sure to throw himself in there to say, I was part of all my sins being washed away. He says, he he forgave all of our sins, and he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He says all all the, the, the records in your life, those things that have been measured against you that say the times that you were wrong, the times that you failed, the times that you sinned, the times that you cheated, the times that you stole, all those things that have been held accountable in your life, this is the point of the cross. At the cross, Jesus says, I will cancel all the charges against you. Everything that somebody said you did, that you said, I'm canceling it all. All the shame that's walked around with you since you were young, I'm going to cancel the shame. All the guilt you've had because you didn't measure up, I'm going to cancel the guilt. He says, I'm going to cancel all the charges against you. Like you can live free in Jesus because he doesn't hold those records against you. He cancels those records. That's really good news. That's the point of, the, of baptism is it, it identifies us with the very method Jesus used to cancel those things against us. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what's going on in baptism. It says this in Romans chapter 6. Uh, uh, context. Romans chapter 5, Paul makes 1 through 5. Paul is making an incredible argument about how powerful the grace of God actually is. That, like, when you think you understand how big the grace of God is, the grace of God is bigger than that. Like, like how far you've gone from God, he'll make up the difference. Like, it's this incredible statement about the grace of God. And he ends by saying a, a statement similar to this. He says, he says, where sin abounded, or where sin grew, grace grew more. Like, where sin was present, grace was present even more. More And the idea is that in our lives, even when we sin, that every time we sin, that the grace of God is even more available to us. That's just amazing to me. He, he doesn't give up on us on the first try. He, he doesn't say like, now, now straighten up and, and fly Right that every time there's a failure in our lives, that grace of God is bigger than that failure. And then the next chapter begins with this phrase. He says, well then, should we just keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Because that's, that's the conclusion. If, if every time I sin, the grace of God is bigger in my life, well then why don't I just sin a whole lot? so I can see how big God's grace is for my life. There was one theologian that he said it like this. He said, just sin boldly. I would say I disagree with that. That's that's definitely not the intent of what Paul is saying here. He he says, should we we just sin so the grace is... And then he says this. He says, of course not. In Greek, it means God forbid course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? He's saying, God forbid the idea that we would just keep on sinning to demonstrate how good God's grace is. Did you forget that when you were baptized, you were baptized In his death, for we died and were buried with Christ in baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. He goes on, he says, Since we have been united with him in death, We will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. This is the point of baptism. We're saying, I am connected to the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, which cancels the power of sin in my life. I can live overcoming, an overcoming life because I am no longer, as he goes on and says, a slave of sin. For when we died with Christ... We were set free from the power of sin. This is the point of baptism. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin but now he now that he lives his he lives for the glory of God so you also should consider yourselves to be dead from the power of sin and alive through Christ Jesus this is what baptism is it is us saying i am not just Saved because I declared him as Lord of my life. But I am dead to the power of sin in my life. I am dead to the consequences of sin in my life. And I'm alive to what God wants to do in me. So it is us uniting with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the symbolism in the water. Going down into death, burial, and resurrection. The next is this, that... Is that baptism is a an outward symbol or an outward expression of an internal reality? It, it's it's an outward expression of the salvation or the redemption that God is already at work in our lives. It says this in First Peter chapter three verse twenty one, and that water is a picture of baptism which now saves you, talking about water covering people, is is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by the removing of dirt from your body, but by a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptism is actually not about the water, is what it's saying. It's not about the physical water that has the physical property of washing dirt from you. Baptism is really about a heart that says, I'm gonna stand with a clear conscience before God, and whatever he asks from me, I'm I'm gonna do it. It's a response of a clear conscience before God. So it's not the actual thing that saves you, but it is a it is the the way we hold that thing with a clear conscience. Does anybody have a anybody here married? Uh, Let me ask this question: anybody got a wedding ring on? Okay, so I don't have. I've I've got a tattoo, though, so I think that's uh, fine. Uh, (laughs) That's another sermon. Somebody's like, what? That's another sermon. Okay, so um, does that wedding ring make you married? No. If you took it off for a long period of time, would you stay married? You'd be in the (laughs) doghouse. The the, the ring isn't what makes you married, but the ring is a symbol of the fact that I'm off the market. This is what baptism is. It is an outward expression of what God is already doing in our life. It's saying, I'm off the market to the world. I am bought with a price. I'm Jesus. Um, Because what makes us married is not It's not a band around a finger. What makes us married isn't even a piece of paper that a government official endorses. What makes us married is a covenant before God and an individual. That's what marriage is. In the same way, baptism is not what makes us saved, but it is very much the thing which identifies us as saved. Does that make sense? So, <clears throat> your next question might be, well, how should, how should I be baptized? Well, the, the word, because maybe you've been in a church where they, they sprinkled people, or they, they did it in a river, or they did it in a lake, or they did it in a pool in a church. Like, well, what, how should I do it? Well, what's important is the, the word in Greek, baptism, is baptizo. It, it means to, to dunk, to submerge, to immerse, or to Drown. Now, we're not going to hold everybody that long. <laughs> but the idea is there. The idea that baptism is, is about an immersal into God, but it is also about a drowning to your old self. It is about I am no longer this. I am, I'm choosing to be who God calls me to be. I'm no longer that person. I'm drowning to that person. I'm immersed in the death Burial and the resurrection of Jesus, that's how we're baptized. So the so the question is, how, how do you get baptized? I mean, it could be it could be in a river, it could be in a lake, it could be in a pool in a church. Just don't do it in Lake Lowell in August or September. You're gonna get E. coli in your eyes. You're gonna come up pink-eyed, just ah. It's about it's about being immersed. That's what it's about. Um <clears throat> two biblical stories that are used uh, to describe baptism uh, in in the New Testament. They're used in in the New Testament, but they're Old Testament stories. One would be the story of Noah's Ark, how God resets the world through a flood. And through that flood and an ark, God saves his people. He says baptism is just like that," that. God's resetting things in your life. Another one would be the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea, but that it was the waters of the Red Sea that, that that cleansed the history and the past of Egypt in Israel's life and brought them into a new life. Like, did they have growing to do? Yes, they had growing to do, but baptism was crossing through the river. So who should be baptized? Well, it says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. That whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. What that tells, right there, what people often do is they start saying, so, so hold on, so you saying that I, I, can, I can, do I have to be baptized or do, do I just have to believe? Because baptism isn't in that second phrase. Well, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Read the intent of the passage. The intent of the passage is really clear that baptism is connected to people who believe. So the only people that should be baptized are people who have actual faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism should be the first thing you do after a decision to follow Jesus. It should be baptism. And and there are people that maybe for you, you'd say like, "Uh, well, I I get that, but I, I got baptized and I didn't even know what it was about. I was just a little kid. Or maybe I was an infant and I was baptized I didn't know what was going on. Are you saying my baptism doesn't count? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is I'm thankful that you had a mom or dad that wanted to present you to God when you were a child. That's a beautiful thing. Around here, the way we do that is child dedications. We bring the children up, we pray over them, and we pray over the parents and we say we're dedicating this child to God and we're going to do our best to live for, uh, raise them to, to live for God. That's what was going on when you were baptized as a child because you didn't have faith in Jesus. It was your mama's faith in Jesus. It was your daddy's faith in Jesus, which is beautiful. And can I just tell you the most honoring thing you can do towards their faith for your life would be to say, I'm going to make the same decision you made for me, but this time it's going to be my choice. Yeah. That's the most beautiful way to honor that. So, when, when should we get baptized? When, when do we get baptized? Well, <clears throat> and, and back to the children thing. I, I don't put a time frame on when a child has valid faith or not. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not your child's parent. I know for me, I've got teenagers that I still think their brain is forming. That, that's, be, that's between you and your child and God. When you recognize that, no, this is valid faith. This is real, genuine faith. And they're, they're doing this not to please mom or dad, but they're doing this out of a, a clear conscience before God. When should I get baptized? You should get baptized immediately upon ha- having faith in Jesus. Th- this American method of, I'm going to wait years, is not biblical at all. I- I'm just going to rattle off some scriptures. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 says, But now the, the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many of them, men and women, were baptized. In Acts chapter 8 verse 37, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, "Look, there's some water. Why can't why can't I be baptized?" And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Immediately upon understanding baptism, he was baptized. Acts chapter 9. So Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Acts chapter 10, verse 47, can anyone, uh, there, there's uh, non-Jewish believers coming into the faith, and, and the, the, the Jewish or the Jerusalem council is, is discussing whether or not their faith is real. And he's, they, they say, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, so he gave orders for them to stay and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with him for several days. Acts chapter 16. One of them was Lydia Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshiped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized. I think it's very important that... One of the great examples in the scripture of someone who uh, their conversion brings an entire household, not just family, but everyone associated with the family, to be baptized, is a woman. One of the early leaders in the church was a woman. We'll do a whole message on that. was a woman. Acts chapter 18, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. And many others in Corinth also heard Paul. They became believers, and they were baptized. Acts chapter 19, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who had come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So should I, should I wait to get baptized at some point? No. Biblically, if you believe the gospel, you should be baptized. So maybe you've already been baptized, and you're wondering, should I be baptized again? Well, let's talk about that. Sometimes I see people who have lived for God for a while, and they feel that every time... Every time they sin or like they're driving down the, the highway and somebody cuts them off and they just let out like a string of words. Fancy talk, right? F- like, you know those kids that do the, the fancy, wa- fancy walking where they jump in, all, all on the, on the wall, the fancy walking? Somebody's doing some fancy talking and then they come back to church and they're like, I need to get baptized because I just, I said things I shouldn't have said. Okay? Or maybe it was more serious than that. But it's, it's every time you feel far from God, you feel like the answer is, I need to be baptized. That tells me that you don't know what baptism is. Baptism is a, is a union with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the very thing that gives you power over the sin that, that you struggle with in your life occasionally. So like, like it, it, it's, not, it's not that you need to go get baptized every time you sin. You need to trust in the power and the effectiveness of the cross. But I've had people come to me and say, I I was baptized when I was 20. And I've lived a lot of years. I've lived decades away from God. And now I'm I'm in my mid-50s, and I've finally come full circle back around to the faith that I had as a young person. And, And it sounds to me like that person is starting fresh anew. And I would say for that person, putting a new memorial in your life of saying, I am going to be united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. That would be appropriate. All right. So maybe the band, you can come on up. Maybe you would say, okay, I hear you, preacher. You're, you're, you're proving your point. I hear it. But should I? I, I probably need time to pray about it. No, you don't. Let me just give you a rule of thumb. You ready? You never need to pray about obedience to God. That's the point of obedience. You don't, you don't need to pray about it. You do it. <laughs> you just do it because he tells you to do it. You don't... Can you imagine if, if my, my teenage son... I, I've been picking on him today. I don't know, but I mean... It was like, hey, bud, can you take out the trash? Let me pray about that, Dad. <laughs> I'd be like, son, I want to pray about you getting driver's license. What well, I'm going to be praying about, like, <laughs> we're going to be, I'm going to be praying about whether or not I mean, you get food tomorrow. Like, not taking food from my kids. I'm, but that would be preposterous for him to over spiritualize something like taking out the trash. And we do that with baptism all the time. It sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, I need to pray about that. But it's not spiritual because it's not obedience. I feel... I feel like there's probably people in the room that you're, you're, you're sensing, like some of you came ready to be baptized and some of you are like, I, I feel like I should probably do this. But my family and my loved ones aren't here. I should probably wait until they get here. And, and here's, my, here's my thought for you. I, I understand if you want to wait for them. But I would also say this. At the end of your life, you will stand before God alone. You will not stand before God with your family, your friends. You stand with him alone. Wouldn't you want on that day to have done what you could today for that day? I'm not saying you wouldn't be saved. What I'm saying is, wouldn't you want to say, I acknowledge you publicly? I was united with your death, your burial, and your resurrection. I took your reign. I was yours. So today, if if you're here and you're ready to be baptized, in just a moment I'm going to ask you to stand and and we're going to go get changed. Or if you're here and you're just feeling like, no, today's my day. I, I, I need to be baptized. The early church did not make it a big, long, drawn out, 13 week Bible study course as a prerequisite? It was faith in Jesus, baptism. So if you, maybe you'd say, well, okay, I, I feel that, but I'm just not prepared. <laughs> I'm not getting in there in, in my nice dress. I'm not, get, <laughs> I'm not getting in there my jeans. That's fine. We're prepared. We're prepared for you. So what I mean is we have changing rooms for you. We have shorts for you, we have t-shirts for you. We have towels for you. We've got hairspray, We got makeup remover. We got spray on deodorant. Like we got mouthwash, we, we got we got hair brushes, we got combs, like we, we got hair dryers, we got hair straighteners, whatever you need. We got gold bond, like whatever you need. And we've got professional photographers that are going to take your photo so you can remember this moment forever. So would you stand with me all across the room? In a moment, we're going to invite you to join us to get ready for baptism. We're going to baptize you. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to celebrate with you. Is that all right? Jesus, I pray that those that, uh, since you're calling and you're drawing, to take this step of faith that you have placed in front of them. I pray that they would boldly and without hesitation walk through the door of baptism, in Jesus' name. Here's what we're gonna do. On the count of three, if you came ready to be baptized or you're just saying, I'm jumping in on this. On the count of three, I want you to get up. I want you to walk over here. Lynn, would you put your hand up? I want you to walk straight to Lynn. Ready? One, two, three, go.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.